0: So, welcome back, everyone. I am Lynn Gilliland. This is Lessons from Leaders. And I am so excited to be here with John Stevens, who is the CEO from Bulma. So welcome, John. Thank you. And uh, just a side thing, John and I have been trying to schedule this for months and months. So, John, I'm finally, finally glad that we got to do it. You've been traveling so much, so that's made it challenging. And one of the where I'd like to start is you have the uh, unusual for me that i've not heard this story very often before is that before you became the ceo for boma you'd been with an organization that was funding boma and then you were on the board with boma and then you became the intern ceo so you have the interesting three different lenses of being a leader around this organization i was wondering what what do did you from each lens do, do you see things differently so what, you know, in each different role.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I, I do think that pathway into the organization is pretty unique. I haven't heard other stories of, of people coming in in quite that same way. Um, and for me, I think it was great because um when I was um, at the Vibrant Village Foundation, you know, I was looking for um, world-changing organizations, and was doing some research with one of our uh, board members, uh, trustees at the foundation, and he he um, introduced me to graduation and the graduation approach. And I was looking, you know, very uh, deeply at a number of organizations, and was able to visit Boma out in the field and was just so impressed with them uh, and began funding the organization. And then as a function of my role as as a donor, I thought it made sense to move beyond just having a transactional relationship with an organization and take a few uh, key organizations in the portfolio and make a further investment by sitting on their board. And I saw this uh, as kind of a two-way Uh, street, and that I thought I could add some um, kind of substance to their strategy and their challenges by giving them some insight, you know, a lot of that from my previous career at Mercy Corps. Um, But I also, you know, very selfishly uh, was looking at BOMA's kind of data and results management and was so impressed that I wanted to learn more and also bring that back to the foundation So that we could kind of spread that uh, work and that uh, what I thought was kind of the gold standard of evidence with other organizations and say, here's an organization that you should emulate. Um, So it really was kind of a reciprocal relationship that way. Um, And that board service uh, was great. I really enjoyed being on the board. Um, You get to step in at a level of an organization where you get direct contact with the CEO I was able to get out to the field and see the programs. Um, And so it was a very rich experience for me. Um, And then, uh, you know, it was just a coincidence that Kathleen Colson was, uh, as the founder, was ready to step out, founder and CEO. And, uh, you know, she pointed to me and said, I think you'd be great in this role. And uh, it was an interesting proposition because I, I would have to admit that I was pretty happy in the donor side of things where, um, you have the luxury of time and money and and a little less stressful. Um, but, uh, you know, the reason I was funding BOMA was that I truly believed that they were uh, a world-class organization, uh, with, with a program model that was going to, uh, transform extreme poverty. And so I was excited to come in and, and work then as staff to really Um, drive that process and i think you know so the board experience um well i would say this coming as a donor into the board gave me this certain type of legitimacy on the board as someone who understood programs and someone who was invested and and someone who you know ponied up money and to to see that mission succeed And then being on the board allowed me to establish really close relationships with board members and and have kind of a, um, you know, it's this collegial sort of feeling, right? You're on the board. And so when I stepped in as staff, I didn't feel this kind of awkwardness or any sort of adversarial thing. It was really kind of the board saying, hey, we think you'd be great. You know, why don't you take step into the organization as a board member and help us run this organization so very much felt like i just had this enormous kind of um supportive environment from the board as, as being a board member and stepping into the ceo role uh and of course you know it just it just helped me launch uh in that new role having those close relationships with board members and knowing what was important to them and knowing how the board functioned. Um, Because I think uh, oftentimes new CEOs, new executive directors get overly focused on the organization and the programs primarily and and tend to not um, think about the board as as kind of a vital organ of the organization and don't always give it uh, the attention it deserves. Um, uh, and so that wasn't, that wasn't a problem for me, you know, and I think it just made that relationship strong from the beginning, which is vital, uh, in any sort of leadership transition, really vital in a founder to the next CEO transition.
0: What, thank you for that. And I loved, I had been thinking more about what you thought the board d- didn't understand what's when, now that you're in the CEO, you know, now that you saw what you saw from the CEO and what you, what you talked about was what the, what the CEO might have might miss about the board. So that was very, I thought that was useful. Is there anything that when you got in the CEO seat, you said, Oh, that's what the board doesn't get now that I'm sitting here.
1: Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, what occurred to me just, and this is probably just, you know, broadly for all boards of, of nonprofits is the board members come from very different perspectives and what their understanding is of the organization and of specifically the program, you know, as kind of that primary driver to mission uh, is, is vastly different. Um, you know, so for example, on our board, we have a couple people that are graduation experts, you know, and they lived it. Uh, and we have some people who've never been to Africa and mm. and never worked in development, right? And they're in the same meeting. And sometimes we're putting, you know, really strategic questions in front of them. Um, and so, you know, from that, uh, and, and I think COVID has been a big interrupter in this, but, you know, we had established board visits out to the field as as really a way to give that entire board Shared experience and a deep dive into the program and the people and the place so that they came out of that then with uh, at least a closer um, understanding of the organization and I think much better prepared to ask some serious questions. Or to answer some serious questions about strategy, you know, do we do we work solely with partners, or do we do direct implementation? And you know, what are the factors within a decision like that? That's a tough one. If you if you've never been out to the field uh, and you don't really know how programs work, I don't. You know, that's a tough question to answer. COVID's interrupted that, and we're trying to get that back on track for this year. Um, so the field visits great. Um, And it's a great bonding event for the board, but I think we also need to go one step further and have some more kind of explicit classroom work when the board comes out. And this is something we're going to add to the trip this year, whereas we're going to have the board for a couple of days and really run them through the methodology and run them through how the scale strategy works and get them uh, really educated about what we do and how we do it. Then go out to the field and see it in action and And um, let all those pieces kind of gel together. because um, again, I think you know there's a risk as a CEO, if you have a board that doesn't really understand what the organization does, and they can not be with you. If they're not in that conversation, they're not following along as you're trying to move the organization strategically or some new directions. You know, there's a real risk that they'll say, no, you know, don't do that, don't partner, don't expand, don't change the model. Uh, and, and then you've got, I wouldn't say a crisis, but you know, it, it's going to really change uh, how you're able to evolve and how you're able to move as an organization if that board just isn't with you.
0: We've been having a lot of conversations at, at LG Consulting around that specific topic. like. How do you get those people with various backgrounds, not everyone under, you know, having the deep knowledge in their bones like you and I have about development? Um, How do you get them understanding what's, why we're doing what we're doing and being able to contribute because that's what you want. And then also it's like heightened right now because so many NGOs are rethinking how they're doing the work, you know, with the... Focus on decolonization or locally led development. Um, so, what? So, I really appreciate where, where that three extra days that you're adding. Well, I think you said three extra days, right? Yeah,
1: extra days,
0: yeah. yeah, a couple extra days. And um, I, just any more thoughts about that? So I guess it'd be interesting to know what you're going to be doing if you don't mind sharing or just extra Mm -hmm. thoughts about how to get people to be the board, to be that, those thinkers that you need them to be. So,
1: yeah. Um, Well, I think there's a couple things there, Um, you know, so one is is just dedicating the time to educating the board And, Mm -hmm. and again, you know, just, Just sitting in a a conference room or a classroom and really just kind of walking through the program as we might walk a new partner through it or we might walk Mm -hmm. a new staff person through it and really just looking at that board member and saying, you need to, you're not going to be an expert in this, but you really need to know all all the terms and what we're talking about and all the different uh, strategies that are involved in this. Um, but I think, um, you know, that the second piece to me and what we're doing right now is that, you know, after completing our new strategic plan, uh, which was a six year plan, we, uh, then, you know, asked the question, uh, do we, do we have the governance that matches the ambitions of the mm-hmm. strategy? And again, I think this kind of goes back to oftentimes CEOs inherit boards. They don't always think of them as these kind of active muscles of the organization um, that need to be kind of exercised and utilized. Um, so we asked that question, and we weren't really sure. And and my kind of hunch was, you know, we have a board um, that was it's a fantastic board, and it's brought the organization to this point, and now we're at a point where we're really looking at a big strategic evolution. And what what does governance look like there? Uh, what does governance look like when you move from working in one country to working in 10? Um, and what does governance look like in around this new question of decolonization and inclusion and equity? And how are we thinking about that? And so a lot of big questions. Um, And so we entered into a new process, and luckily with the same uh, wonderful group that helped us with the strategic planning process, which is Boldly Go Philanthropy, um, to answer these questions. And a lot of it, again, is kind of similar to strategic planning. It's kind of looking at these high-impact organizations that you might want to emulate. and and just saying, well, what does their governance look like? And did that just happen by chance or was that a very active construction on their part to tie governance to strategy and how's that working? Um, So it's been a really, really interesting process to get in there and say, you know, what does governance look like for us, you know, for the next five years? And how do we know that that's driving mission and driving strategy?
0: It's very cool, Um, thank you. If I might switch you a little bit, you and I had also talked about leadership and, um, you had some thoughts about what, um, what leaders as, as a new leader, what you was useful to you. And I wondered if you wanted to touch, if you could touch on that, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, um, in, in great organizations, you know, you've got managers and coaches and mentors. You kind of have this whole system set up to bring people up through the organization until, ironically, you get to the top. And and oftentimes in that top leadership position, um, you know, your, your evaluators, your boss, so to speak, is the board of directors. Mm-hmm. And I think many boards... Um, have have kind of mixed approaches mm-hmm. to how they manage and evaluate the CEO or the executive director um, and you know you have to remember that your board is volunteer and and they have other things going on or they they might have a full-time job and you know so you've got suddenly you may have come through uh, a system where you had Great mentors and coaches and bosses to one where you're kind of alone, mm-hmm. where you have a body of people with very different experiences who um, have some sort of structure around evaluating uh, your work. And oftentimes it's not a very thick structure, oftentimes it's very loose. So all of that just kind of says you need to be proactive when you get there, because I think you can start to feel a bit lonely in that position with, um, kind of that lack of feedback, uh, that you might've been used to as you came up into that role. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's, there's a few things you can do. I think, uh, probably the, the first and foremost is to get an executive coach, mm-hmm. to get someone who's really your person you're talking to on a weekly basis and sharing some of your challenges and just that perspective from a good coach um, you know, lets you kind of air some of your issues, get some good feedback. Um, and then second to that is finding your tribe, you know, it's reaching out to those CEO circles. And those for me have been, uh, so a positive, uh, and I'm in a couple different ones, uh, one where I'm very junior in terms of the the folks that are in that room. And I'd say one where I'm more senior. And so that's a nice, uh, kind of juxtaposition, right? Because in one group, I'm able to learn a lot. One group, I'm able to teach a bit. Um, and so it gives me some nice uh, kind of give and take moments. And and um, and so that's been extremely helpful. And then so that third piece, I think that's so critical is then making sure your board is doing what they need to do in terms of uh, being your boss and defining what that means. And I think, um, you know, primarily that is evaluating your performance on an annual basis and that's you having a job description and, and you doing a maybe a 360 process at the end of the year managed by the board chair and then having uh, a very formulaic valuation process just like you did as a staff person so that you understand what you're being uh judged on you know and you you know what the board expects because in the absence of that then it's you know who knows what the criteria are or or kind of what that conversation is. So, you know, I think the advice for new leaders is make sure you know exactly what that process Mm -hmm. is and that it's intact and you're involved.
0: I like that. And I like the, you know, it's like this really tight set of things that you're offering people to look at. So John, I am so grateful that you came and spent time with us that you fitted us in your, your, your schedule and I know Absolutely. you're traveling again and is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would want to add? Oh, you know what? Um, I did want to ask yeah. you about trends.
1: Trends, like, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Trends, please. What do you see as the trends right now?
1: Um, you know, so I think first and foremost is, um, you know, the continuation of the pandemic and continued volatility um, and fatigue I, I'd say I'm seeing fatigue from every angle. um and it's 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 a little bit ironic that we're kind of in this biggest surge, I would say, of the entire pandemic, and it's been met with almost an equal amount of fatigue uh, where people and institutions and governments are just kind of running out of steam to. Mm-hmm. You know, impose restrictions or change behavior, and all these different things in the nonprofit world, uh, and just with organizations. I think um, there's some similar fatigue, and and I think that's a, maybe a red flag that we need to re-energize because we're still in the middle of a very severe pandemic. Um, and I think you know that's that's brought up other issues uh, around. Um, organizational responsibility towards staff and also things like uh, vaccine mandates and vaccine equity when you work in very different uh, geographies. Uh, everyone has to answer that for themselves and I think, um, I guess to all of that I would say we have we have to stay vigilant that we're not through this. Um, there's plenty of risk ahead, uh, that volatility is just continuing to interrupt operations and planning it's continuing to delay donor trips it's continuing to delay in-person meetings um, and we still have to work around that you know for the time being um, and i think you know there there is um I, I guess one concern for me is that you know when the pandemic hit um organizations uh, i think a lot of good organizations had quick reactions and tried to address COVID in their communities and through their programs. And there was a lot of philanthropic support for that kind of this big burst of funding. Um, I'm not sure if that funding's there anymore. You know, and I, I think the that, that um, kind of very quickly once uh, philanthropy did that, they kind of went back and said, okay, now get back to business, you know, get back to, you know, that beeline to scale or get back to that beeline to impact. Um, but in fact we can't and I think there's uh, probably an opportunity here to go back to your big donors and say I know you'd like to see us back to normal but it's not back to normal in fact I can't even say that this is the last surge you know and we may see ripple effects happening throughout the world that we work in for months or years Um, so maybe it's just you know, you're seeing some fatigue on the donor side um, that you need to go back and, and revisit that conversation. Maybe even not to ask for more money, but just to say, we're not through this. Yeah. You know, in our worlds where we work, this is this is really happening. And it's happening, of course, right now in the US. Um, and then I'm hearing a bit from other CEOs about trying to have uh, more kind of short-term sprints within their longer strategic planning that you know maybe five years ago you know for example BOMA just uh, did the six-year process planning process that's great but within that how much flexibility do you have to pivot and and kind of uh, do what you need to do to react to the forces uh, going on in the pandemic and so I think that's an interesting question for CEOs you know you look at your kind of annual plan here what are those opportunities to get the team together and think about uh, where you might need to pivot or where you meet might need to have like a short term sprint. And, you know, how are you thinking about that with your team um, so that people have that flexibility, you know, and so that volatility doesn't just become a stress point or a breaking point, but actually something you feel that you can, you can kind of navigate.
0: And the, uh- The change is with us. So we've been talking about change resilience and I like the short term sprint because what the world's going to look like in six years could be there there could be different issues. So that makes sense to me. And especially when I factor in climate change, which I'm sure you guys have factored in and, you know, that adds to the the needing to keep it short-term sprinting um, and all exactly. around yeah. the long-term. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Thanks for, for sharing those with us, those trends. Absolutely. Is, is there anything else you w- want to add?
1: No, I think that's good. That's good. I appreciate it. I'm glad we're finally able to connect. I know it's not always easy, so I appreciate your patience.
0: No, it's, uh, I'm so glad that we kept trying, and I'm so happy that you found the time to be with us here, John. Thank you.
1: Thank you.